With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! Hello again, welcome back to another episode of Two Slips and a Gully. We have some exciting news. Glenn is in studio land yep, today. I'm not, I'm not phoning it in anymore. Not I am, in. I'm putting my heart and soul into this performance. Did um, have to go drag him out of the house, but he is here in person. <laughs> yep, he was kicking and screaming, it was hilarious. And of course, we've got Gary here. How are you going, Gary? Hola, I'm pretty good. Pretty not good? too bad. Yep, that's been a good, I've had a good week. How about you guys? Had a good week? Been mm. busy? Always been busy, mate. Yeah, things are getting back. Things so, are getting back. we're going to change things up a little bit for this episode, try to make it a little more regimented, a little more uh, you know, to the point, not quite as much waffling on. I say while waffling on, we're going to have some segments. So, we've got our main part of the, the episode, which we're going to talk about famous cricketing feuds. Well, I'm going to say cricketing. It's Australian cricket feuds. We've got a very Australian fa- fa- uh, flavour with the... Uh, ones that we've picked. We're then going to introduce a couple of topics. We've got local cricket heroes where we're just going to swap some outrageous or unbelievable stories from yeah. our uh, local cricketing Well, this is, this is kind of my baby because in, in local cricket, you do you meet some characters, some serious characters. And uh, I think that's, that's one of the great things about playing cricket at a very low level. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all about the, the people you meet. And uh, some of them are just just larger than life, to be honest. Oh, so that's you'll see what I mean. Very positive. And I'm, and I'm thinking that people uh, are going to be able to write in for their local he- local cricket hero. Absolutely, you know, everyone's going to have their story. These are the sort of blokes that when you get back to the pub after your game of cricket, that you spend the first sort of two hours of the you know the well, first three beers just talking about what about that guy. So yeah. if anyone's got any guys like that, get them ready and and get yeah. them set in for the next episode, and we can um, we can share some on air or talk to us on our uh, our Facebook page. Any sort of just guys that you just couldn't help but shake your head at while you were playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, the other segment, we've got another one because you all wanted more of it, is called the Soapbox, where we're just going to pick something and have a bit of a rant about it for a couple of minutes. It's just something that just really boils the blood or grinds the gears going on in the cricket world. So I'm mm. um, I'm stepping up to the plate for this episode, so uh, stand by for that one. Yeah. And the last one we've got, we're going to introduce a bit of cricket trivia. So we've got a guest coming on a little later on in the episode uh, who runs a trivia website who's going to test our cricketing brains with a bit of cricket trivia to see how, how sharp we are. So all that is going to be coming right up. All right, so cricketing feuds or Australian cricket feuds, quite a few come to mind. And what sparked this particular topic is um, I'm sure those of you keeping track of any sporting news have seen yet again, Shane Warne is out and about just talking about how much he doesn't like Steve War. Well, it actually goes a bit uh, further than that, actually. Um, I mean, I think it's a big product of us not having any actual live sport. Uh, to be honest, um, but you know the uh, the great YouTube cricket guy Ro Belinda uh, uploaded videos of Steve Waugh being involved in runouts. Yes, yeah, so as Steve, a batsman. So Steve Waugh holds the record for being involved in the most runouts, and um, there was some statistic. I believe it was a hundred and five runouts. Yeah. And he he was he the his partner was run out seventy ish something times. So uh, yeah. out of the he was run out, he himself was run out thirty percent of the time. So um, and he ran out his partner seventy percent of the time. Yeah. And Shane Warne has jumped on Twitter as Shane Warne does and basically harped on because Shane Warne has always maintained that Steve War is the most selfish player he's ever played with. Now, for mine, it's that's a bit of a pot calling the kettle black when you hear about some of Warren's antics that he got up to during an Ashes series in England and other things like that. And, you know, some of the stuff that he's done outside of cricket that has cost him time in the game for him to be coming around and calling someone else selfish, I think is laughable to be honest, but that's, that <laughs> sparked, um, that sparked that storyline up again. So we'll just dive into, well, we'll have a bit of a chat about at that. And there's a couple of other noticeable feuds that have popped up over the Australian cricket history, which we'll talk about. You were about to say something, Gary, in regards uh, to... I'm sorry, but when I when I saw those figures, I was a little bit surprised, the whole Steve War thing. But when you think about it, he batted at, what, five or six? Batting with the tail end. Yeah. Just um, for, for some context... Like, I'm sure there's quite a lot there that may be Steve Waugh being a bad caller. But the second example on that video was... Um, like the last over of a 50-over Yeah, over there's match. lots of run-outs in... Like, a lot of them are run-outs in the last over 50-over game where you're just pushing to try and grab a single. But the second example is just why you've got to take this the this video with a grain of salt. that You can't just immediately look at it and go, well, Steve Waugh is, you know selfish because he keeps running his partners out the second example was the the he was the non-striker the the batsman's hit it straight to a fielder taken off it was no single there at all and steve war is quite rightly sent him back and he's got run out yeah and that's steve war's fault there's no fault and (laughs) there's and you go and watch the video and objectively you could look at it and go there is no way there is a single there yeah but that's being attributed to steve war being this selfish you know this illusion of steve war being a selfish player because Th- well, there are examples a, a, like a that. A couple of times the partner that he ran out was David Boone. 
I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, this is not exactly Michael Bevan or Dean Jones through the wickets. No. You know? <laughs> and that's not to say that we're implying that Steve Waugh is faultless. I'm sure every batsman has got an unfortunate yep. run out or several on their resume. Oh. But that's the sort of thing that you've got to take in. You can't just look at that number and go, he's run 70 batsmen out. Like, out of that 70 batsmen, there'd be several like that where they've taken off and the, the fault was... Yeah. The other person, well, but yeah. it's attributed to Steve Waugh because of this stat. So yeah. you got to you got to remember he he played the two formats that um, were available to him from the time that he was nineteen to the time where he was thirty eight. I think was when he retired. That's that's nineteen years of cricket. Yeah, that's a long sample period. Stuff is going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, that's, Gary. That's, you're especially about when you bat down the order. That, that's that's all I'm going to say. But. I don't think we're – I don't want to go too harsh on, on anyone who come up with these stats or these figures because he he may not be at fault, but he's involved. He's, yeah, he's statistics, there, statistics so, are statistics. Yeah, no, it's the way that you interpret the statistics. And yeah. obviously Shane Warne has used this as a, a launching point to re-engage that narrative that Steve Waugh is a, a selfish cricketer. Now, for those of you who are a little unfamiliar with some of the background behind the Warne War – Stoush, uh, I think we could say it's probably really started of that tour to the West Indies. I think it was the 99 tour of the West Indies. Um, it was the first tour back there since we had won the um, Frank Worrell yeah. trophy. Yeah. Um, Warren was coming back from shoulder reconstruction and in the two test matches prior had taken three wickets for the whole series yeah. and was bowling awful. Steve Waugh made the call for the last test that we were down. No, it was four. It was a four test series because we were two one down and we needed to win the to test re- to regain to to tie the series and um, retain the the trophy. And War made a call. So in three tests, he'd taken three wickets. He dropped him, and lo and behold, we actually won the test, drew the series, and the very next game that Australia played was the nineteen ninety nine World Cup, and Shane Warne was there, game one. Mm. And and Shane Warner has just taken that as an affront. He felt the captain should have backed him. He thought he was about to turn the corner. Well, but but turn the corner um, You've had in th- shield cricket or turn the corner in a, a less important game than trying to retain the Frank Worrell trophy. But this is one of the things that I find absolutely laughable that Shane Warne has this opinion. How he doesn't see himself as being selfish. Like, he's not performing. Yeah. Yes, it might be because he's coming back from an injury. But at the end of the day, the series is on the line. You're not performing, and you're asking the team yeah. to risk losing to carry you when you're not at a hundred percent. Yeah. Like By the way, the- do you know who uh, replaced Warren in that test? Is it Funky? It was. It was Colin Funky Miller. <laughs> <laughs> it sure was. Um, um, yeah, I f- you'd find that all the time. It's always athletes always talk about it being selfish to not be at a hundred percent for your teammates. So I just I don't get that that's the rationale that sh- um, that Shane Warne uses to say that Steve Waugh was selfish because he dropped him when he was a not performing and b was to win the series like it was a dead mm. rubber and he, he just you might just go yeah bowl yourself into a bit of form but we needed to win this game to to and this is not this I think is before I, Australia had become that powerhouse we West Indies were still probably just teetering on that uh, brink of being, yeah. you know, world elite competitive. Like the Frank Wall Trophy was not in the bag at that time. It, yeah. w- it wasn't, we hadn't gone that far. We hadn't got to the dominant early 2000s. So yeah. we'd still, we still had a ways to go to be. They still had Lara. They hmm. still had 
Chandapool, they still had Sarwan. You know, Sarwan before he just, you know, forgot what how I, to play. What I can't understand is Shane Warne still makes a fair bit of money for doing whatever he does. How does he not have someone in control of his Twitter account? Because <laughs> seriously. Well, if, he, he did backpedal from that as well. I if, don't care if yeah. he backpedals. You don't come out and you don't rag on one of the best captains Australia's ever had. It's One of the most loved cricketers Australia's ever had. I won't accept that he's backpedal because if you go look at a timeline from Shane Warne, every other year he's finding some avenue to um, yeah. to, to bag out Steve Waugh. He, his autobiography, what was it called? Um, uh, something to spin. Shane Warne, the musical. Um, <laughs> then he was on, he did a stint on, sir, on um, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, and he brought it up there. But he he's, wasn't a celebrity. He's, he's not a celebrity. <laughs> he used to be a great cricketer, and then he come off the cricket field and started talking, and now nobody likes you, mate. <laughs> Sorry, that was a rant. I'll be quiet. Yeah, yeah, save that, please, for the uh, allotted time. <laughs> oh, I've got the rant this week. You can have the next one. Uh, yes. Another thing that's popped up is Shane, you hear Shane Warne whinging about all the time, and it is. It really is whinging. Is Seawall brought something in. Uh, it was sort of his flavour on the side, I suppose. It was that all players will wear the baggy green for the first session was it the first session of the test match or first session of the day? The first session of the test match. Uh, no, it might have been the day, I believe. Or, or the, it doesn't really matter. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was the test match. It m- might have even just been the first session they were in the field. Yeah. Because um, you want to look uniform, you all want to look the same, and you want to be scary. And putting some value into the bag. Like, obviously, the bag of green has got this, it's, this aura about it, but sort of leading up to the, what's you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, that it, it was just... Given to you, it was in just a box. given to you. Yeah, but it's there, was nowadays, no, there was no presentation. Yeah, yeah, and like players that wear the same baggy green all the time, and like Ricky Ponting's one is a great example of it looking beaten and frayed, and he's uh, yeah. kept it, and that's his baggy green the whole way through. That really started, sort of Mark Taylor, Steve War sort of era. Oh, like well, Steve War even released a song about the baggy green with John Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how much he was into it. Maybe that's when Shane Warne decided it was a little bit nerdy. <laughs> but, but he's spearheaded this this sort of almost fanatical idolisation of the baggy green, the whole getting it, the ceremony at the beginning of the test match for all those players on day. But this didn't happen. You just got a kit bag, and in your kit bag was your Australian whites and your baggy green, or several baggy greens, depending on... You yeah. got a new one for the beginning of each tour. So this is the sort of thing that he put in there. And Shane Warne didn't like wearing his baggy green and wanted to wear his floppy hat. Which which yeah. is which is understandable why. I understand why. Like, you know, some baggy hats and, especially when you're playing in yeah. the subcontinent. Baggy caps are hot. And they but don't give you that much sun protection. Not really. But at the end of the day, Steve Waugh was the captain. Shane Warne was the vice captain. Yeah. And this is something the captain wanted to implement to help unify the team. Which is why he never became captain. Yeah. He just he he was in it for himself. Like Shane Warne. And unquestionably, Shane Warne is the most selfish player that I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah. Except for possibly Sachin Tendulkar, but I think <laughs> Tendulkar's selfishness oh. had lots of external influences and it didn't really manifest itself until the twilight of his career when there's, when Tendulkar certainly played for those ticking off those milestones, which we've talked yeah, about, we won't delve are, into. There are definitely people who've had selfish moments, even great players, you know, like, Bevan was quite selfish late on in his career, you could probably argue. Maybe he was trying to, uh, I don't know, do his old thing where it looked like we were out of the game and he just pulled it out. 
there have been quite a few selfish moments from certain players. Yeah. Um, however, like across... D- Dave, Dave Warner scoring that 100 off about 140 balls, oh. which was just too slow in this, the bottom <laughs> game. Especially for Dave Warner when you can yeah. do it off 65. Yeah. Um, over the years, though, ever since he's left cricket and, and really really got a voice with all your, your Twitter and your all your other bits and pieces that he has now, it's just... Shut up, mate. <laughs> go back. If you want to go back and play cricket, we, we all love to watch you bowl. We really did. But shut up. Well, I think the key thing, which is something that I know that you feel quite passionately about, Glenn. I'm itching to say it. Is um, <laughs> when you're looking at it, Shane Warne is like, you, you can't convince me otherwise. Shane Warne is all about Shane Warne. He is selfish. And one of the key things that you can talk about this is uh, Terry Jenner. Terry Jenner dedicated basically a whole chunk of his life to developing Shane Warne. Now, I know that the Shane Warne's probably done a few bits and pieces behind the scenes, but on the whole, mm. when has Shane Warne ever given back to cricket, I especially know. Australian cricket? I know he, he attributes all of his success all the time to if I didn't have Terry Jenner, I probably would have went and been a really crap AFL footballer for St Kilda and never ended up having a career. There's no way in the world he would have played AFL football. No way in the world. He no. played like the third grade for Ballarat under 11. You know what I mean. But that's what it, he always <laughs> talks about having this mentor around him to guide him through that and get him through playing cricket as a young guy. And you've like, yeah, he'll come down. He might spend the morning of a test match before it starts when he's still in his suit and offer a few words of wisdom. And he'll do that to both the but country he, spinners. But he does it while the cameras are that's rolling. Exa- yeah. That's exactly yeah. where he, I was he going. He needs to be. <laughs> he needs to be seen doing it. Yeah, and it's never for a long period of time. So I, I'll let, I'll throw it to you because I know that you yeah. feel quite strongly. Well, about I, this. I, my career is as a as a teacher of sorts, a, a music tutor. So um, for me, it's it's got to be one of the most rewarding things bringing people through and and transferring your skills onto somebody else. So for me, it just like you know, if you have had a mentor like Terry Jenner, it makes you want to be like that. And I think, I mean. Far be it from me to give life advice to a cricketing legend, but I reckon if he just tried it for like a year, just tried mentoring, you know, don't go near a commentary box, don't go near a, uh, you know, a microphone or anything like that, and just go and work with Lloyd Pope or... Or Swepson. He's got a really big thing for Mitch Swepson at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Spend some time, like... Maybe have some cameras like once you've spent a good amount of time and just say, say, oh, look, I'm doing this. And even, and I think if you were to see that, um, you know, public opinion about Shane Warne um, might actually change. But right now, I think almost everyone thinks he's a bit of a. Shane Warne is all about Shane Warne. And when I see him coming out there talking about how selfish. Steve Waugh was and whinging about different things that Steve Waugh made. It makes him just come off as selfish. Like when you look at his two biggest criticisms of, sh- of Steve Waugh that consistently come out, it's getting dropped when he was playing badly, but he thought he was just about to hit the hit his straps. And the other one is he made me wear the baggy green. Yeah. Oh. Why well, do I need I think, Why I think, do I need to wear the baggy green to prove that I'm patriotic? You need uh, to wear the baggy green because it's what your captain asked you to do. I think. I think. The issue he had, I don't... 
what I've read is that uh, they went to Wimbledon while they were in England, right, to, to watch the tennis, and Steve Waugh wanted him to wear the cap there. Yeah. Um, I I can kind of understand that objection. I can get that. Ex- because it's it's kind of like, oh, look at me, I'm an Australian cricketer and all that. Yes. But I, I don't think that That is a little been. pretentious, but, you know, so yeah. be it. But he definitely has had multiple objections to the whole policy of wearing your baggy green yeah. as part of the... You know, the first session of the day or the test or whatever it was, he's talked about it in his book, he's talked about it in yeah. rain delays on commentary, um, all this sort of stuff. Um, repeatedly, and the message has been the same, I shouldn't need to wear the baggy green to prove that I love playing for Australia. It's irrelevant what you think. You're part yeah. of a team, Shane, I don't, and your yeah. captain has said, this is what I want to do. I don't know if you guys know, but he actually brought up in, in, in one interview that Mark Wall felt the same. And I'm like, yeah, Mark Wall may have felt the same. He preferred the big floppy hat, but he always wore his baggy green. You ever see Mark Wall coming out whinging about it to the media? No. <laughs> he wants to go and talk to Shane Warner going, what a poxy dick this guy is. He's your brother. Yeah, I know, but still, he's making us wear this stupid uncomfortable. That's fine. Whinge about it in the dressing room. You, you're grown adults. You don't have to just put on a brave face and, fight and smile all the time. But don't come out years after you've retired and every chance you get parade about, you know, how mean your captain was because he made you wear a hat. Like, <laughs> and, th- and then, on the other hand, come out and go, he's the most selfish player ever. It is a bit of a storm in the team tea- teacup, isn't it? It's just a... And then that, that, that cranky old captain made me wear a hat. The thing that I really don't <laughs> like about it is Shane Warne has got enough about him that he doesn't need to keep coming up with his nonsense to stay relevant. The guy is... Arguably, like he's in the argument for one of the best players of all time with mm. what he did on the cricket field. He's definitely the best yeah. bowler of all time. Yeah. Um, like he doesn't, he's got so many, like the ball of the century, um, day five at Adelaide, all sorts of things where he's bowled Australia to victory. Like he's got enough ammunition on there that he can live off yeah. the good things of his career. He doesn't need to keep inventing scandals to stay yeah. relevant. Yeah, Especially in today's media with, you know, so much easy access to to, to everyone with Twitter and Facebook I suppose and the, the counter-argument could be that um, any attention or any publicity is good publicity. No, yeah. no, we're it's now, no, no. We're no. now talking about him. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> Shane Warne, you're a dickhead. <laughs> like, I loved, I, like, I'll say it again. I used to love watching Shane Warne. You get Shane Warne at one end, McGrath at the other. I could sit there for three days in a row and watch that. You don't, you never really had to. It was like maybe a day. Yeah. Um, but watch them bowl all day. And just the smarts they'd come up with. But the fact that they'd just, no. Just shut up, Shane Warne. You're ruining my life. <laughs> so some other feuds that um, have come up since we've uh, got onto the topic of feuds. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. Were, it was quite a public one, which I think has damaged his reputation, not only amongst his peers, but certainly amongst the, the fans, was the Michael Clark simon Kadich feud, which I think is kind of funny because simon Kadich was the one that instigated this, the feud and Michael Clark ended up copying most of the criticism for it. So mm. for those of you who are unaware, there was a, an incident. Oh, actually, Glenn, you were looking this up, weren't you? Do you want to run us through this? Um, this is the one I didn't look up, but uh, I, I'll go off off the uh, – no, I did I did about a couple of weeks ago. So I will um, – yeah, I'll underhandedly 
recite those facts and probably get them wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think the whole thing, it was between Kadich and, and Michael Clark, and it was all about Michael Clark needing to leave early after a test that they had won, them needing to sing the team song before he left. Now, the I think the story, I mean, it's come through multiple sources. So the story was that... It's Michael Hussey is was responsible for singing the the team song or you know organising that, um, and some of the players were resenting Michael Clark for leaving early because you know this is kind of the image that he'd built himself at this point. He had the supermodel girlfriend and you know. She, the whole, wasn't, she wasn't a supermodel. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah, about. I, I know like, what you, mean. you know, they. It, it was our poor version of Posh and Beck that at oh, one it point was, wasn't it? <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, Clark kind of saw it as them delaying the team song. Okay, because he kept going to Mike Hussey, you know, can we do the song now? And he kept on saying, oh, we'll do it in about five minutes. And he kept coming back. And um, I think Clark took exception to this because he sort of saw it as as some members of the team uh, having a go at him. And then uh, I think there was an altercation and uh, I think Simon Kadich arced up and basically grabbed him by the throat and pushed him up against the locker is this 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 version of the story that you guys have said mm-hmm. and i don't think anything else happened after that um except for Kadich being dropped um, <laughs> um yeah do you guys know anything more about it i mean that was essentially it um and by leave early, early is a, a subjective term. As far as I've been led to believe, the early was getting kind of around 11 o'clock midnight. It was not like yeah. Clark walked into the dressing rooms and went, all right, I've got a dinner date to get to it by 7.30. Let's wrap this up. This was yeah. something that dragged on for quite a while. Um, the other thing, that obviously, that's played out from this is that Simon Kadich ended up losing his contract with Cricket Australia not long after Michael Clark had taken the captaincy in 2011. Yeah. Um, and so it's always been a long belief from most of the fans that Michael Clark basically turfed Kadich, who was you know in pretty good form at the time and scored plenty of runs for Australia at the opening the batting, that it was personal reasons why he didn't get... Um, yeah, well, personal reasons because he didn't friggin' like him. Well, they have, they have talked about it after the fact... You know, um, a Clark- little bit on the in their commentary stints. Mm. Um, Michael Clark obviously has a bigger profile than Cadditch, but Cadditch does occasionally appear on ABC. From what I what I've seen, this was coming in an interview with Michael Clark. What he said is he had nothing to do with Cadditch being dropped. Is that Cricket Australia had two contracts to give out between um, Hussey, Ponting, and Cadditch. Yeah, and Clark was in no way responsible at all for the decisions there. They told him that they're going with one of the or two of these three players, um, and and they ended up obviously going with the all-time leading run scorer and the guy in the middle order that was actually scoring some runs. So yeah. um, it's kind of hard to kind of argue with their their rationale there. Yeah, um, like I I agree with that. Like um, Clark can't tell Cricket Australia who. To give a contract to, I don't even think that has anything to do with the captain. 
Picking, yeah. the, picking the side, however, it was, um, is a little bit of a different story. Yeah, so what the the reason why that obviously played into it is because the um, Australian cricket team ran not long after Clark became captain is the captain was part of the selection panel. So they had, um, obviously, your, pan- your panel of selectors, the coach, and the captain all was part of the selection committee. Um, however, what people didn't understand is, obviously, as we know with the Kawaja drama, is that... that um, the cricket contracts are given out are separate to the selection committee. So um, Michael Clark actually had no control over who Cricket Australia pays, which is what the big misconception was. Uh, and that's and that was one of the things that Clark came out and said, is I have no control over who Cricket Australia award contracts to. My job was, once they gave me the group of players, is to help pick the side that's going to walk out on yeah. the field. You could probably argue that Cardich did have a um, poor rub of the green with the selectors prior to that as well. Um, I think partly because of the fact that he was uh, a grafting kind of player, an old-fashioned kind of accumulator of runs in a period of the game where we were dominant. (laughs) Um, So I suppose it wasn't seen um, that he was that necessary. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know if I can, um, I can blame Clark for that one. I'm afraid. At the end of the day, what Cadditch did in the dressing room was completely out of line. You don't yeah. need to be putting uh, your hand on. Have it. you ever tried to say to your mates after you finish your game of cricket and they say, "Are you coming back to the pub?" That's the <laughs> thing I resent the most because when you got to say no or yeah, 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 I'm coming or no, there's ten other guys are like, "Oh, oh. come on," <laughs> and and we all do it and we all know. <laughs> Hey, I get that when I've gone to the pub. <laughs> and then you go <laughs> And it's home. one o'clock and you're just saying, guys, I have to go home. <laughs> um, yeah. It is so hard to leave. It can be, yeah. <laughs> I suppose we'll move on to one that I actually didn't know anything about until I saw an interview with Kim Hughes. Now, I, I'm surprised. I'm interested to see whether you, got, you guys heard this going through. Is that um, Dennis Lilly and Jeff Marsh... Rod Marsh, I should say, not Jeff Marsh. Rod Marsh, the two powerhouse icons of Australian cricket for that era, actively undermined Kim Hughes on a daily basis throughout his captaincy right up until the point that he resigned. Yeah, I, I know about this one. I just yeah. find that, especially from a guy like Dennis Lilly, I think that is a massive stain on yeah. Dennis's reputation because of just the, you know, the... The, the pa- Australian patriot, the paragon of Australian toughness, the swagger of 70s cricket. Yeah, and tradition of mateship. And all that sort know. of stuff that goes with it is uh, essentially it boils down to the fact that they all went off to go and play World Series cricket and Greg Chappell was the captain of Australia at the time. Mm. Ian Chappell took captaincy of the um, Australian Super Test side for World Series and Kim Hughes ended up being given the captaincy of the Australian test side in the in the interim. And then when all these players have come back after World Series cricket, Kim Hughes remained the captain. Um, and all of these players, Chapel, um, Hughes, Lillian Marsh, all played for Western, Western Australia, Australia and they all played under Chapel for Western Australia. And so when Cricket Australia basically came out and said that Kim Hughes is the captain, you're playing for Kim Hughes, Rod Marsh and Dennis Lilly practically mutinied the entire time. Yeah, I think they both thought that Rod Marsh should have been given the captaincy. I don't think 
Lilly ever wanted the captaincy himself, but I think he thought that uh, Rod Marsh should be should be the guy. Mm. It got to the point they both refused to be Kim Hughes' deputies. Um, there yeah. were things there. There's a number of um, examples I was looking up from players that were playing against Australia that noticed the tension on the field, which is something that's um, a little scary. To things that uh, many players uh, uh, talk about uh, Lily just doing nothing but bowling bounces at Hughes in the nets. Right. And there was one where it, you know, they bowled him a bouncer at Hughes has dodged it. And, you know, Lily's come down and said, oh, sorry, mate, and sort of thrown the ball back to him and going, that's all right. And then Lily's turned around and said, sorry, I missed you. <laughs> to the captain. Right. Um, I, I, what, I, what I find funny about this and this – may lead into a, a discussion about local cricket heroes. I like it when people try and do that locally as a captain of a side. Um, yeah. But they're just nowhere near quick enough. No. So it's it's just like, oh, man, that bouncer at my knees was really <laughs> rough, you know. Especially at our nets, there's just no bounce in them. Yeah, they're bloody terrible. <laughs> anyway, sorry. No, on, on with the feud. I, I, I think the whole thing is utterly disgusting. And I don't think it would ever go on today. Because if you get, I don't, I don't care who you are, but if you, well, I suppose it was Steve Smith, it might be a little bit of a different story. But if you get Pat Cummins, for instance, yeah, nah, I am not following anything anyone has to say. That's not, I don't know, say Steve Smith. Mm. It, like, where do but, you go? But with these, that? Yeah, I, I think these guys are used to being told what they should do. You know, like you look at the setup now. You know, Pat Cummins will be told by a physio how he should exercise yeah. and, you know, what, what they've probably got a dietitian who's telling him what to eat. So there's not a lot of... Did anyone ever tell Peter Siddle you can't eat like 400 bananas a day? Uh, like somebody <laughs> needed to tell him, tell him he needed a steak. I yeah. mean... Mate, I you, mean, you need some meat in your life, brother. <laughs> well, or at least an alternative source of protein. Yeah, he was probably taking something. Yeah, yeah. However... Like we've we've I think we've all had that guy that we don't we don't think's the right captain. Yeah. But you back your captain. You always back your captain. Mm. You can whisper in his ear if you have to. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure with Cricket Australia there's there's avenues where you can talk to somebody else, you can talk to the coach, you can talk to you can talk to someone. Yeah. But when you're on the field and when you're in front of your opposition, you always you want to Represented as a team. I've played teams where you can tell there's so much infighting. Yeah. And you get one or two guys out and you just smash them because mm. there's there's no heart and that's disappointing. Yeah, and this is this is a test team. Like, we're playing in the Ashes and um, they've actually got a quote here from, from Chris Old came into bat and he said he saw Lily, Marsh, Terry Oldman and Hughes all signalling different fielders to go to different positions. Um, and that was the... Um, <laughs> the the five hundred to one game that oh. we lost. That was in that game that they yeah they right. noticed that sort of stuff. Um, there's another like we've all seen that really just that was in the Botham game. Yeah, just to be clear, yeah. So we've all seen the the footage, obviously, of Kim Hughes manning a press conference in Brisbane in tears, telling everyone that he's resigning from the captaincy. Um, I love I love this quote um, from Bill Laurie. Hang on, I just have to find it. He's gone, the demise of Kim Hughes in Brisbane in a manner equal to being dragged down like a dingo in the pack and devoured by your own within and without was a disgrace. 
Yeah. Wow, that's that's strong from Bill. You know, he's he's mellowed a bit since then. Well, Bill Laurie's always <laughs> been like a that. big advocate for, for for great cricket players. Yeah, and he he likes the old way of playing. Mm. However, he he, he thoroughly no, he's you know the guy played for Australia. What more do you need to say? <laughs> yeah, he, exactly. he has that heart. But like what they did was unexcusable. Yeah, unexcusable. And the fact that they were allowed to play for Australia. After they come back from the World Series, now I'm not saying I don't li- didn't like the World Series. I, I wasn't old enough to sort of witness it firsthand. Yeah. However, they were told that they weren't allowed to even play for Australia when they sort of come back. I mean, then they sort of worked all that sort of stuff out. Mm. However, the fact that they were playing for their country isn't isn't that enough. And like at the yeah. end of the day, like we all know, it was for it was it was great for the cricketers. Cricketers were being financially just absolutely rorted by Cricket Australia at those days. And there were a lot of financial incentives that have now all the you know, players today have a lot for World Series cricket to thank for. Yeah. At the end of the day, these guys abandoned playing for their country for a dollar. Yeah. yeah. They chased the dollar instead of representing their nation. And, and it, say it, what you like about what happened for, for, for cricketers since then and how it's turned around and now they get properly looked after and they get, you know, a, a better wage or a more appropriate wage considering the amount of money that yeah. Cricket Australia has made. At the end of the day, when you're looking at the, the facts right there in front of you, Kerry Packer said, you're getting paid this much to play for Australia. Come play for me and I'll pay you this much. So, yeah. you know, for... For someone that we all look at as being Australian cricket royalty, they sold out. <laughs> they sold out, and then they've come back, and like there, there's so many things looking through here. Like the coach is telling them, you know, let's help Kim out a bit. Like is he because he was young, he was that young, dashing, yeah. you know, blonde hair poster boy, baby faced, baby faced. <laughs> Um, the guy that we all want to punch. No, I, I've, I've got a, I think I remember reading an article where they were describing him like he was so blonde that his hair nearly glowed in the sunlight, sort of thing. Like this is the sort of guy that's in there. And um, yeah, and they were specifically asked by coaches, "Let's help so this I guy can just out." See a bit. Dennis Lilly just going, "This guy." Well, you, Peter Phillip. Peter Phillip confided. He talked to, to Rod Marsh and said, "Let's help him out." And the wicketkeeper sold him. He's got the job. Let him stew in it. Right. I just don't get that. Like, if I know you've captain Aaron, have you, Glenn? Yeah. Oh, I've oh, I captain a twenty twenty side. Yeah. It was laughable. I was so wrapped up in what was going on on the field, and I was trying to work out shit in my own head that I'd it was three balls into an over, and I've gone oh left hander, and he'd, be, he'd face three balls, <laughs> three <laughs> balls. But twenty twenty is quick. It's hard. Oh, to it, it is really quick, but yeah. it's 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 a job that nobody. Really wants, yeah. In normal cricket, it's a thankless task when it you're really doing is. well, and then when you're yeah. not doing well, oh, they will roast you like nobody else. <laughs> but with all that talent that we had in that team, why why could not one of them walk up and just go, you know what, mate? Yeah, do this, that, do that. You know, it's it's a team game, and yeah. yes, it it falls back to your your captain because he makes the original call. But I think Steve Waugh actually said it best. Mark Waugh, as a vice-captain, he didn't like it as much when Mark Waugh was his vice-captain because Mark took a back step, didn't want to step on Steve's toes, and I think that was um, – I think that might have been a tour in the West Indies or in India. I can't really remember. Right. But, yeah, he, he, he brought it up in his book about it, that he was expecting more from Mark 
when he was his vice captain because, you know, he confided in Mark and, and they were brothers, let's be brutally honest. They knew each other quite well. And you, you need you need to look after your captain. Yeah. Your captain's part of your team. The captain is you. He's your leader. Mm. Captain, my captain. It's just it's <laughs> just really disappointing when you you've got um, players of that calibre that are so fabled in Australian sporting history that you've got many people saying that they spent the entire tenure undermining their their captain every day. Mm. Um, it certainly was eye opening, and I got to credit Kim Hughes. This like the interview they did an interview with Kim Hughes, where I've learned all about this, and then went and looked further. Kim Hughes has absolutely no malice towards them at all. He considers them some of his closest friends, and uh, apparently after all this has sort of died down, they've actually connected and gotten on really well. But you know, to be nationally humiliated on television, largely due to just a constant battering that these two icons of the game that are above reproach because they're so adored by the sporting masses. There's, you can't come out and go, Dennis Lilly's being mean to me. I'm, you know, like, <laughs> like where's that going to get you? Like, he can't come out and sort of make a, a fuss about it. This is Dennis yeah. Lilly, Rod Marsh. These are, these are cricketing heroes. So he's in a rock and a hard place, and he's copping that, and they drive him to the point that he walks away from the game in tears. And then to come back and consider that, like, I don't know if I'd have the mental strength to, if I was dealing with that to to forgive those guys and he's come out and just, yeah, we're mates now. It's all good. So, like, a, a lot of credit to, to Kim Hughes. He, he's an easygoing bloke. Mm. That's that's I, the idea I get I, from I think the in the long run, he had the last laugh. <laughs> like, let's be brutally honest. None of them made captain. <laughs> Stuff them. Well, he's done it. And he's done it in grand style with a boundary. Well done, Glenn McGrath. First ever half-century in Test cricket. First of our new segments. This one's actually one that, uh, believe it or not, that I'm going to look forward to. This is the Soapbox. So this is uh, a segment each week we're going to pick pick something that uh, really just boils our blood, something that we really just want to get off our chest, and we're just going to let you guys hear about it for the next five minutes or so, mm-hmm. maybe longer, depending on how long the rant goes. Does it have okay. to be cricket-related? Uh, uh, let's start off cricket-related. We might get oh. a few weeks in, and if we run out of cricket stuff, we might, you know. Yeah, I can talk about yeah, how just my tra- wife gives me the shits. <laughs> <laughs> she I'm, talk, talk I'm, I'm not sure that she'll listen, but anyway. <laughs> well, if she's not listening now, she's probably not going to listen to a cricket podcast. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just hitting it. All right, so the rant that I'm going on with is about Don Bradman and specifically the criticism that people get when people talking about him being the greatest batsman of all time and the people that dismiss that because he's played in an era on uncovered pitches in the, you know, the 20s and now that cricket's come so far that there's no way he'd be as good now. Um, and firstly, I want to start off going, what a ridiculous assertion. There isn't an athlete in any sport ever that if you – plucked them 80 years in the past and brought them to the present that they would be remotely as capable as they are then. That's just not how sport works. Sport doesn't go backwards. Sport always evolves forwards. So if you're going to be bringing Don Bradman to the future to play against future bowling, he then has to be given the modern training, modern modern opportunities. So the training, the equipment, the rules, the bats, the... Performance and enhancing drugs. drugs. 
So and the Could thing you imagine is, Bradman on roids. <laughs> you can drink beer. I don't yeah, think you'd go and take performance enhancing drugs. Jeez. Jeez yeah, but this is modern thing. Bradman. <laughs> so and what I've got to argue, people that argue against this, this is what I like to point out. Statistically speaking, the average average for a batsman has stayed the same, barely fluctuated at all throughout history. So Bradman obviously averaged ninety nine point nine four, which is so much higher than you know the next best batsman average is sixty five, which is Steve Smith. So he's thirty five runs better than the next best batsman all time. If you're going by the averages of these peers, you know, they again you had a couple of people averaging in the forties and fifties and all that sort of stuff. So it stayed fairly the same. As you go throughout history, as bowling has improved, you know the bowlers are getting faster. They're learning things like reverse swing and you know, all that sort of stuff. Things are keeping up. Equipment's coming in. Fields are getting smaller. Pitches are getting flatter. It's all, everything stayed relative. So no matter, every advance that bowlers make, every trick that they've got to their, they add to their arsenal, every new rule change that might make bowling a little better, every new discovery, you know, ball tampering, all that sort of stuff to get reverse wing, batsmen have kept up with it. Fisherman's friends. <laughs> the average average has remained the same. Yeah. So by that, by statistically speaking, that means that bowling talent has kept up with batting talent. So you still got the same statistical anomaly. So I ask you, statistically speaking, if batsmen are as equally successful against their modern peers as batsmen of the past were against their peers, because let's face it, you can't face bowling that you never had to face. It's irrelevant to go. Well, Bradman would never be able to face the you know reverse swing of Wackar Yunus and Wasim Akram. He never had to. But if he had to, why wouldn't he have been able to prepare for that? Well, you know, it was. You I suppose the- you could argue that you you can't get a, uh, you know, a uh, a water tank, uh, you know, bouncing a, a golf ball off it, hitting it with a stump. You, you can't make that water tank bowl reverse swing. I, can't, I was so wondering where the hell is he going with this? But the thing is that. The bowling reverse swing hasn't brought out a downfall to batsmen everywhere. Batsmen have figured out how to play reverse swing, right. some to varying levels of success, and the average batting average of batsmen have remained the same. You know, Shane, Shane Warne coming in, revolutionising leg spin. Again, batsmen haven't all fallen down. Yeah. Batsmen have figured out how to play spin. Matami Rulithra and his Doozra, all those sort of new advances that have come along, batsmen have found a way to keep up. So I ask you, statistically speaking, if you take Bradman and he make him born in 1990, for example. So, so hang on. How, how do these people think that, like, having uncovered pitches I just, were, were, were to his advantage? Surely it, that makes batting harder. In what <laughs> like, freaking life? In, like, uncovered pitches in England. I yeah, think in I'm, England. I'm pretty sure you're allowed to do burnouts on them too, is oh. like back then. <laughs> I think well, I think the thing they're getting is, is that bowling is a lot better now than it was back then because you know bowlers have gotten faster and they've gotten more tricks to their arsenal. Yeah, but and I mean, attitudes have changed. And my point is, if you're going to bring Bradman into a modern era, he will have had to have grown up with all of that. So he's still going to be physically speaking, hand-eye coordination speaking, the same player. He'll still have that same innate ability to bat. Yeah, he'll then get pads he'll then get a helmet he'll then get rules restricting how many people can be on the leg side he'll get rules that can uh restricting how many balls can be bowled at his head roped off he'll get roped off boundaries he'll have flat pitches he'll have endless hours of 
footage to watch. You'll have incredibly complicated machines that are used to replicate swing bowling and spin bowling. He'll be a professional cricketer, so he won't have to go and have a job. He can dedicate his entire time to preparing. He won't have a world war in the middle of his career. Exactly. He won't have to travel months on a boat and having to run laps around the boat to make sure that he doesn't get out of shape. Like, it is utterly absurd that people think that a guy with that amount of ability brought forward to modern times wouldn't be as successful. I don't see a statistical reason why Bradman wouldn't average more nowadays because when you're looking at it as as batsmen have kept up with their peers the averages remain the same mm. so the only reason that they get it is they want to have their cake and eat it too and say Bradman wouldn't be as good and take Bradman as is in yeah. the 1930s and bring him to the 2010s which doesn't make any sense there's no player anywhere that you can take do you know how much cricket has evolved yeah. in 80 years yeah like there's just it's a completely different game Mm. They're saying that the only thing that he may have had in his van is had had in his advantage is the fact that they weren't time games. Well, they were time games oh, by the end of his career, but you'd, but not. I actually of. read a story preparing for this rant that um he um <laughs> oh he prepared he he, oh, um, yes. he broke his foot or his leg in a game and it was during a timeless test that England were a monstrous advantage and um apparently they sent their twelfth man to the hospital to find out if Bradman was a chance of playing again for the rest of that game. And they go, you know, he's got a broken leg. He's not going to be playing cricket. What are you, crazy? So he's come, come back to the game, and it was the first ever declaration in a timeless test because <laughs> they knew that Bradman wasn't going to be back at, like, 903 for five or something. Yeah, but, you know, in my head, I'm, I'm just wanting Bradman to come out with a broken leg. <laughs> Graham Smith. He'd still <laughs> score 60. <laughs> so... I'm going to segue a little back a little on you, Aaron. You said Bradman and then Smith. You're wrong. Okay. It's Bradman, Manus Labuschagne. <laughs> Sorry, brother. Manus Labuschagne hasn't played enough. Manus Labuschagne hasn't played enough tests. He's played 14. That's not enough. It's 20. I think is the cutoff for uh, those all-time stats. I, th- uh, I think well. you have to have scored more than a thousand runs. Yeah, he scored yeah. 1,459. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's 20 tests, and it might be 2,000 runs as the minimum wow. that you've got. Well, to he's averaging 63.43. And then Steve Smith with a measly 62.84. <laughs> and then Adam Voges. So Australia's got the top four. That's it, baby. Read them and weep. Top four. Top four. So, yes, that's my rant. Is people that just think that they can just pluck a player, any player, doesn't matter what it is, from the... Who are these people? Uh, they're, they're not you, cricket players. Us, they're usually Sachin Tendulkar fans. Who's they? <laughs> So I don't even think Sachin Tendulkar is the second best batsman of all time. I think there's a number of people, Lara and Sangakara and Smith, uh, that are, that I, are I better. I don't know about Sangakara, but yeah, okay. Sangakara averaged, he scored 9,000 runs at an average of 64. Without the gloves. Without the gloves. So it's not like a small sample size. He had yeah. a... He had a a fully fledged career yeah. without the gloves. No, I think No, no, I'm a fan of Kumar, but you know. In in his whole career, scored 12,400 runs at an average of 57, mm, which is a higher average than Tendulkar. Tendulkar averaged 54, I believe. Sachin Tendulkar averaged 53.78, mm. which is actually higher than that another Indian player that we won't name, <laughs> Brad Coley. 
Oh, that's yeah. Cause yeah. Col- that's because Coley was rubbish at Test cricket. I mean, for if, ages. if you're looking just at averages, <laughs> possibly, but Tendilkar de- debuted when he was 16, and so he was. He, he did play two. He had high longevity Test matches. Oh yeah, yeah. Tendulkar has got massive long longevity, and as we've talked about a couple of times in the podcast, that there may have been some self-interest in that longevity. But in and there's no doubting that Tendulkar is right up at the pointy end of bed, the best batsman of all time. But I think in terms of his peers, I think Lara and Lara and Sangakara are, have got very strong arguments to being better batsmen in terms of ability. Yeah. Okay. Than Tendulkar. All right. But that's another topic. We're talking about Bradman here, so that's my rant. My rant is that if you're looking at pure statistics, I don't see a reason at all, at all, why Bradman wouldn't average the same because. All things considered, he gets to have modern preparation, modern bats, modern grounds, flat wickets, all of the, you know, training and, you know, dietitians and physiotherapists and all these people, sports scientists looking after him, bats that weigh nothing and can hit it to the moon. Mm. Yep. I mean, keep looking. Keep looking. You might find another another guy, but... You know, hasn't happened in 80 years, so you might have to look a while. (laughs) But, yeah, so that's mine. People that just write off Bradman, he can't be the best because he played in some joke era. If he played in modern, with a technique like he had playing today, he wouldn't be successful. If he was playing today, he would obviously have a different technique to adapt to the different bowling that was going on. Well, the next guy that comes out, plays 56 test matches for their country and averages 100... I'll pay attention. Here we go. Ryan Harris. Straight away! He's crashed into the stumps! England have lost their first wicket with the first ball of the innings. All right, we've got a bit of a treat tonight on this episode. We're joined by Mark, and Mark runs a trivia website, and he's come to just... uh, Share a bit of time with us, talk a bit about what's going on, and hit us with some hard-hitting trivia that we're going to see if that we can answer. So, g'day, Mark. How are you going tonight? Doing well, gents, and yourselves? Yeah, really, really good, thanks. Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, we're, we're all good. So, uh, tell us a bit about what's going on. What have, you, what have you got on offer on the big wide world of the internet? Yeah, yeah. So, I was a bit of a computer nerd and a trivia nerd. I've put together a, a question-a-day trivia website, uh, Travologist.com. Find me on, yeah, the website, Facebook or Twitter. Uh, question a day could range from anything from sports to history to general knowledge to uh, yeah you name it so uh, yeah for any of your fans who are trivia fans jump on and check it out awesome well what we'll do is we'll put the uh, the link to your website in our episode description when I publish this later on tonight and so, so you do all sorts of things so it's not just sport you've got all sorts of other stuff any um, specific ones that you're particularly proud of um, there's uh, w- Relevant to yours, the question of the day last week was a, a, tr- a cricket one, probably a little bit easy for you gentlemen, but uh, Sabina Park is located in which country? Is a test cricket ground located in which country? Mm, it's not that easy. <laughs> That's not, it's not? Okay. Oh, no, I yep. definitely know it, but uh, you guys yep. go first. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so this isn't the question I was going to bring to you guys tonight. This is just one that uh, popped up last week. All right. It was cricket. Well, All right, cool. Well, well hit us. What's the uh, the hard hitting trivia you've got for us tonight? Gary said it was a bit tricky. So, uh... all right, okay. We're well, jumping into the tricky one for tonight. So, 
I've got a, I've got the top ten. I've actually got a, a longer list here. So I'll if you are uh, have a guess, and I'll let you know where it where the person stands in the top ten. But He's done who his currently? <laughs> oh, a, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> got got to research these things. But who currently holds the record for the most consecutive Test matches played for their country? And for a bonus point, how many have they played without missing a single match? It's a bit rough, that yeah, one. Yeah, I think I've heard who it is. I am I would have no clue how many. Like, All right, well, Glenn's like, fairly confident. I, I'm pretty confident that I oh, got yeah. this, but well, you latest, can't, you can't tell first. me. You can't go ahead oh. and, and tell me with oh. a, if I'm right or wrong. I won't. I won't give any answers until I've heard everyone's uh, guesses. Yeah, All right, so okay. Oh. I'm. I'm going with Alan Border. I'm going with Alan Border. I think he he went a, a long, long time without getting injured, and as the captain. And I. I just feel like I've I've heard it somewhere. My second answer, because <laughs> I've got to hedge my bets a little bit. Right? <laughs> got to, Absolutely, it's got to be Adam Gilchrist because uh, I mean, he pretty much deprived Brad Haddon of a career until he, he retired because he just simply didn't get injured. He just kept going. So, but I, I think AB a, first. So, Border or Gilchrist? Yeah. Right, okay, anyone, okay. anyone else you want to pick? Um, <laughs> he's got a top well, ten, so if you name nine or eight more. Well, there's a few guys in, you know, like everyone, maybe a few guys in Ireland, maybe not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. No, I can say I can safely say the top ten are all players you've heard of. Oh, I, I'm, I'm glad. All right, I'm I'm actually going to go for Jack Callis. I pretty I think that's bloody wrong though. I'm pretty sure it's wrong because he's also bold, but he was a great batsman. Um, Jack Callis, and my second bet would be probably Steve Waugh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, he was. He did play a long time. He did. We are going And to he was a great, great, great man. And I will hit <laughs> We're going to talk about this yeah. later on. Yeah. Or, or earlier on. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to. I'm only. I'm going to go with one. You guys hedging your bets. Oh, I'm going to go with Mark Boucher, the wicketkeeper from South Africa. I felt he, he played for a long, long time and. Didn't he get it in the eye with a bail once? Yeah, but that's what stopped his career. I didn't. I don't. I but think he was, was a wicketkeeper, and he finished with the all-time leading dismissal. So he could yeah. have played for a, quite a long time. So that's my guess. I'm going to go Mark okay. Boucher. Right. Okay. So I can safely say that uh, four of the five guesses are in my list at least in the top fifty. Yeah, we know stuff about right. crickets. <laughs> Who's, whose so, guess wasn't in there? Uh, so Gary's guess of Steve Waugh, yeah. I cannot see on the list. Yeah, well, so, the greatness that is so, Steve Waugh didn't have to play for that long to be that great. Well, he did get injured so a couple that, of times. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. so that's the thing to keep in mind. He probably had a few gaps in between. Um, and he got so, dropped for his brother. At, <laughs> uh, and and you mentioned his brother. That would have been a very good guess. So at number thir- at 37, we've got Jax Callis. Oh, yeah. Oh. Right. Yep. Nice. Uh, Boucher was mentioned. Uh, Aaron, I think that was yourself. Yep. He's actually on the list twice. He's at number 50 and at number 16. <laughs> so he had two two big runs, oh, but right. uh, there must have been a game in between uh, that uh, broke that out. So we God had a s- 75 and 54, um, respectively, in a row. Cool. Right. I feel I feel justified. He made it twice, so he was hey, he was 
He was tough. You'd, hey, hey, once, you, once, right, you, was tough. once you've given us a range, can we have like a guess for how many tests after, after you know, like because you, you're kind of giving us a few hints there. It's going to be yep. above 70 now or 74. Absolutely. So yep. 75 was Boucher. So yep. coming in at number seven with 96 is Adam Gilchrist. Right. Oh, we all so batting at seven. No, yeah. that that was that was a guess, at Glenn. I think that was yours. Yeah, yeah. It was was a guess. Yeah. Yep. And coming in at number two, so very close. Oh. Alan Border with one hundred and fifty three consecutive games. Oh, maybe. Oh, uh, maybe he was uh, what a Muppet. One hundred and fifty three, and it was in two thousand and eighteen. That he was overtaken, uh, if that helps. So that's so probably was, I probably heard that fact before 2018. Before so. exactly I'm, right, I'm claiming victory here. <laughs> <laughs> 2018. He's had he's had it since '94 um, up until September 2018. If that helps, mm, right? Not well. Can we, not, an, not an Australian. Maybe we should have a guess an, at number one. Kumar Sangakkara. Yeah. Sangakkara, oh. not on the list. Oh, okay. Oh, slow uh, roll me there. I'm, <laughs> he's, probably, yeah. he's not a West Indian, is he? Jesus, no, no. one in the West Indies oh. played that many no. consecutive no. tests. <laughs> I don't know. Not in the modern era. Shiv Chanderpaul, maybe? Yeah, yeah that's where I was going. He got overtaken in 2018, though, so it's yeah. someone who's... Oh, yeah, yeah, recent. Yeah, so it's fairly recent. Alistair Cook. Oh, yeah, I think... Um, yeah. Very good. 159 in a row. Oh, oh, oh wow. I am the greatest thing that's ever been made. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. It took you three goes. Oh, well. <laughs> an an elimination. We're still pretty good, though. We should get a lot of the top ten there. Number three is The Other War with 107, Mark War. Mark War. Yeah. Gaviscar, number four. Right. With 106. One of my one of my favourite players um, who did it on his from his debut was Brendan McCullum with one hundred and one. Right. So that's a separate and that was, set. So so he's I think he's top of the list as in having done the consecutive starting at his debut, but right. I don't I can't confirm that. But um, that one hundred and one I'm fairly confident was from debut. Yep. Uh, then we've got AB De Villiers at number six with ninety eight. Gilchrist at seven with 96. Dravid, uh, 93. Uh, J.O. Wardeen with 93 also. And then number 10, closing out number 10th, is a 70s to 80s player from India, is Viswanath. Right. So probably a bit of a bit of a, um, a curveball there. That's, a, yeah, that's, a little a, bit. that's an underground player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Hayden rolls out the just misses the top 10 with 86. I'm going to have to look up that guy, number 10. Viswanath, yeah, G.R. Viswanath. G.R. Viswanath. Well, yeah. I feel like he'll have an interesting story. No one was ridiculous. I think that's not a bad guess, but there we go. Alistair, yeah, so... Yep, no, some great guesses. I think Border, definitely, that's, that's the top. I mean, he had the record for... 24 years or yeah, more and, so and then did ever, anyone really want to pick an Englishman anyway like, yeah. Yeah, most no of, <laughs> <laughs> most of us honestly when I started looking this up I um it started with a stat that I read about uh Gilchrist uh doing it from his debut as well 
So I thought, oh, that's an interesting stat. And then when I saw it was Cook, I, I almost changed the question. I thought, oh, no, <laughs> still cricket, still counts. <laughs> yeah, well, there he, you he go. He played 159 tests without a cover drive. He, <laughs> he got knighted without a cover drive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, i got a cover drive. And it's, probably, no, it's probably about as good as is. <laughs> the cover, you, you can't even play a cover drive on the PlayStation. I've seen you bat. I scored <laughs> I scored 250 last night. Don't you even start. <laughs> and then he started playing cricket. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'm implying there. <laughs> All right, Mark, thank you so much. That was awesome. It's given us a little bit of a reality check about our trivia. We'll have to go and brush up. We'll have to, uh, like I said, we'll um, to get you back on and we'll do a, a, maybe a games night where you can test our cricketing knowledge in a far more comprehensive fashion. Absolutely. No, I'm pretty pretty excited to, to give you guys a, a bit of a run through and see see how, how much you actually know. Yeah, you have to keep score. Definitely scoring for pride, I think. I think I'm, Absolutely. I'm going to have to go and check out Mark's website. Yes. So what was the website again, Mark? Yep, so travologist.com, and you can find me on Facebook and Twitter with the same name. So, yeah, anyone who loves a bit of trivia or just likes to uh, test their brain out every day, come check me out. Awesome. No worries. That's Thanks great. very much, Mark. We'll uh, catch up with you later on. No worries. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Through the covers, Steve Smith is back. His first test back after the ban, and its normal service resumes. All right. New segment, the local cricket heroes. We introduced it at the top. Um, now, Aaron is going to be able to help me because he did meet this guy. I think you might have captained this guy. I'm not sure. Oh, this is a I concern. Think I, I think I captained, <laughs> captained him for one game. Yeah, right. Um, uh-huh. But uh, bl- we were, I was playing in the grade below you when he first came to the club. Yeah. So I think um, yeah. he filled in because he was earmarked with the repu- – I won't spoil anything. With the yeah. reputation he came to the club with, he went straight into your okay. your your team. Exactly, oh, exactly. I, I, <laughs> can I – so, yeah. Can, I'm, gonna th- I'm thinking this is probably a guy that said, I've played great cricket and I've done this and I've done that. And come along, and he wouldn't made fourth grade. <laughs> this is what's going on. Yeah, here, I mean, like, you've, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Guys. We've all we've all met this guy. Maybe not this specific guy, but you know, the guy with the gift of the gab who can talk his way into a situation, but doesn't have the abilities that he professed to have. So we're we're only going to mention his first name because you know we don't be done for slander by some for some odd thing. So his name was Joel. And at the time, I was the vice-captain of our second-grade side, and our captain was away, and we were looking for players to fill in for this captain. Um, so we needed, like a lot of our, our teams in the lower grades, or, you know, we needed solid batting because we had a lot of guys who liked batting at seven and throwing the bat, not a lot of guys who liked occupying the crease. So I'm going through the third grade options. Scotty was one. He, he's known for occupying the crease. Um, but then I was told that we've jagged this player. Jagged this player, Joel, who has played A grade in Sydney. That was the story that I had to go on. And so f- therefore, what what can you do? You think you count your lucky stars. You, you probably approach it with a fair amount of scepticism. But you say you you're know, like, he, how, how bad could he be if he's played ex- grade? In exactly. Yeah, I mean, even if he'd played, you know, A grade in I don't know Penrith or you know one of the outlying did, did suburbs. Did anyone say it was actually he played in seventh grade? Not 
grade <laughs> cricket. Well, he said he said A grade cricket. That oh. that was all we had to go by. So we picked this guy. Yeah, he'd been in the club for about ten minutes. Ten minutes. He's gone into our higher grade, and I've had to captain him. Um, I can't. I can't remember every detail of the games, but here's some of the highlights of, of what he did. Okay. So at the start of one of the games, um, we were preparing for a two-day game, which is our long format of the game. And uh, we were talking about how you tended to just use your four best bowlers, four best bowlers for a long time until, let's say, lunch. All right, that was the strategy we were going with and we were just going to bowl nice and tight, all right, and it was basically don't anybody else ask for a bowl until lunch at least, you know, a, a, until at least um, halfway through the game, which would have been tea rather. So we get out there and the ball is, it still has the original varnish on it um, you can still read the writing. You know, we are discussing which side we're, we're shining, which is always the cooker, let's face it. Um, and Joel asked for a bowl. We had been out there for about 10 minutes. <laughs> Asks for a bowl. And, of course, as these guys do, they just keep at you all day, all day asking for a bowl, and we weren't going that well. So he has a bowl. Uh, we bring him on. Not not early, like this was after tea. We're like, oh, man, I just can't stand him asking for a bowl. And I think he's first over. He bowled four wides, and he was just spraying it all over the place. And it's a two-day game, so a, they're really liberal with wides. Exactly. In a game. Like, he is not hitting the cut stuff. He, he is just not. <laughs> like just, um, yeah, I mean, and then, and then another time he just walked out, um, you know, Maybe he, I think he hacked one over mid-wicket, and I'm like, oh, maybe maybe he has something here. And then he just tries to play the exact same shot the next ball to a Yorker and just, you know, all cleaned up completely, you know, three stumps out of the ground sort of stuff. There was another time um, where we were being beaten outright because we weren't a great team at this time, right? So we were in, uh, we had batted second and the other team had put a good 250 on us and we hadn't made the follow-on mark so we went in again and we were in a lot of strife we were about five for 50 jesus or something like that and rough day joel with with the president of our bdca also on our team at this time on our um association um asks if we go again in again if we get rolled a second time, he what? He asked if we go again. I was there. So we've we've had I was the there first for that inning. one. We've had the first innings. We followed on. We're five for fifty in the second innings. This guy who professes that he played A grade in Sydney asked if we had we got a third innings. <laughs> oh my! And God. and. and Campbell, uh, the the uh, leader of our association, had just had enough. He had enough at this point because he knew what this got the the crap that this guy was telling us. He knew that he'd said that he was uh, A grade Sydney. You know, talked himself up, just always on it, right? And he just let him have it. He just <laughs> he just said, "Which grade of Sydney did you play in, mate?" 
Um, and yeah. I just don't so think Campbell he just got upset. Yeah, Campbell got it takes Campbell a lot to upset this man. Campbell is the nicest, yeah. quietest, <laughs> most pleasantly spoken <laughs> Kiwi that I've ever met. Yeah, yeah he just third, had enough. Third grade had a buy that week, so I was actually there. Um, yeah, I was going to help out in sub field for you guys, but I never really got the chance because you guys batted. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was there for that, and it was just yeah, he just almost saw that click, and he just was like <laughs> yeah. the eyebrow raised, and he was just like, "Enough is enough." You, <laughs> yeah. Do we get three bats? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> yeah, so. I can. Um, yeah, he was, and, like, and that was the like thing. If someone's girlfriend asks this, you give them a bit of a razzing, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just out, all right. Don't yeah. ask. Yeah, Hit yeah. the pads, and it's out. Yeah. Too, take too long to explain. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. And he just and it was. It wasn't like he because it originally was a, a another member of the team said that he'd run into this guy. I think through work perhaps, and yeah. said that he was a handy cricketer, oh, and so he'd come no. through. And um, it wasn't like he told his mate that, and then his mate had sort of drummed him up, and then it just fell apart. He came to the ground talking about, oh yeah, when I was playing in Sydney. When yeah. I was playing in, oh, when I was playing back in Sydney, just over and over and over, um, and yeah, I I had a game. He, um, I yes, think you, yes, you this guys, game, this game, because he talked himself into being the wicket keeper. Yes, what? Yeah, <laughs> that is. Um, I'm sorry. I'm I've 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 dabbled in wicket keeping, and it is the hardest thing on the field to do. <laughs> right. Other than bowling and batting, well, you know they're pretty hard. Wicket keeping's harder. Yeah, you don't get a break. You got to switch on the whole game, and you are exhausted by the end of it. And then if you drop one, everyone yells at you. (laughs) But if you take a screamer down leg side, they're like, "Well, you should have caught it. He hit it." Like, what do you want to do anyway? (laughs) As you were, Aaron. Yeah. So, um, this was uh, I was captaining the third grade side at this point. Um, I was sort of very new to the role of captaincy, so it wasn't one of my finer years. I. Um, probably spent far too much time envisioning how it was going to be if I was Ricky Ponting or Steve Waugh and I had all these ideas in my head about <laughs> what, I wanted, what I wanted to goes. do and absolutely did not have the players at my disposal to execute any. I did actually come up with a really great trap for a batsman and I set a trap for him, set the field properly and got it and I got him out. It was the, probably the high point of my captaincy for that year. It was not great. But um, no, so you always go out with plans about line and length and all this sort of stuff. But at this point, I was still envisioning myself fielding in the slips because I was the captain. And yeah, thanks, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not a good slips fielder at all. It didn't take me very long to get out of the slips and somewhere where I was actually useful. But yeah, so he's come in. I believe second grade had a buy, or you may have been. F- Filled for that. No, I, I don't know. Maybe we were waking up to him. By you, I think now. you were playing at Sudaya and he was unavailable for, for the, the first, first week. Yeah. And so you didn't pick him for the second week. So he came yeah. and filled in for, for us for that game. So we had him and he was coming in and um, uh, we lost the toss, bowling first. Um, and he's, and I've sort of gone, oh, well, who's going to keep? Because our normal keeper had been called up to, to seconds. <laughs> and Joel being Joel, um, puts his hand so up. So he goes, oh, I'll keep. I used to keep all the time. So I'm like, oh. oh for A grade in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, I kept a little bit in A grade in Sydney, so I'm fine. So I'm like, all right, put the gloves on. So um, he's there. Um, doesn't look very comfortable at all. Sort of, you know, that one that you sort of get it through about sort of knee height and it sort of hits the gloves and falls out. And I'm like, oh, well, he bit rusty, you know, you know, then you know, a few off the middle of the bat and then he gets another one that he sort of 
juggles and then sort of, you know, throws sort of, you know, that weird throw when you get sort of stuck in your glove and it yeah. doesn't quite go. And I'm like, okay, this is... <laughs> the the, keep, the non-keeper doing the keeper throw. <laughs> then the highlight was it, there was a ball that came through. It was a little wide and it was probably a batsman that had visions of doing amazing things and or you know thought he was a lot better than what he was and he does this amazing elegant ricky ponting-esque leave like the front foot comes forward the bat comes up over his head the ball sails through at chest heights to the wicket keeper or just to the right of the wicket keeper because it was you know outside off and he lets it go yeah he lets he it leaves go. it for first slip which like, is you which was me oh, and i looked at you. him and went what are you doing <laughs> He's like, oh, I thought it was going to you. And I'm like, <laughs> he left the ball. You've got gloves. That's your job. You've got gloves. Why would I go to my left for the ball? <laughs> no, no. Oh. As a, like, I can tell you right now, as, a, as as someone who dabbles in wicket-keeping, I'm not going to say that I'm great at it. I've, I've done a few good things, but if you can reach it, it's yours. Yeah, he's just watched it go between me and him and but, he's looked at me like, and went, oh, I thought it was going to you. Just to clarify... There's no bat involved. No, no bat. He hasn't it. hit the bat. He's just left the. Yeah, the so batsman's left the it. The batsman's left oh. it, and then he left it. So it's <laughs> out, outside off. So he's probably got a good look at it all the way oh, down. It, it wasn't wide. It and was all just, he had to do was in the gloves, and yeah, nah, don't want to touch. He that wouldn't one. have even needed to like take it one handed. It just was a step <laughs> and regulation wicketkeeper take. Like, and I was just like, you have got to be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Safe to say, at the end of the next over, I grabbed the guy who was going to be the keeper instead of Joel before he put his hand up to come and do it. I said, um, "I might get you to have a bowl a little bit later on, mate. I might get you to take the gloves off and I'll give them to, to give them to Steve." Yeah, don't Why don't him, you say don't, take don't those off? Bowl. You're a bloody idiot. Because I was trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was wasn't as jaded and ranty as I am now. <laughs> oh, oh. I didn't right. end up giving him a bowl because the game was didn't go long enough. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, good thing. Good thing. Um, I, I think we've all got a, a Joel in our side. Yeah, we we've had all it. had a Joel. We, we want to hear about it. Um, if you have a local cricket hero that you want to tell us about, go onto our Facebook page. We want to we wanna hear it. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us about your Joels. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't even need to be a Joel. If you've got some guy that yeah. just, you know, you're playing pub cricket and he rocks up every year without fail, and he knows that he's rubbish. Everyone knows he's rubbish, yeah. but he's always there. He's always enthusiastic. You know, that guy that bats at nine and doesn't bowl, yeah, he's I, always there. I, and see, he'll always field out at, like, deep square leg and have a big smile on his face and just always does the silliest things. You've got some of those sort of heroes yeah. as well. That Yeah. So those those guys, in my opinion, are the real heroes. They are heroes. Yeah. They really are because yeah. they, they rock up knowing they're not going to get a bowl. They're probably not going to get a bat. Well, if they, they get a bat, that won't be very long. Yeah, but they love hanging out with the guys. They love playing cricket. They love being a part of a team, and that's 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 one of the greatest things about cricket. Yeah. So give us a few shout-outs for those guys, especially if they've got, like, a moment of glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of Matty Rice, regular poster on the Facebook page. If you've got a story, mate, want to hear it. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah, if you've got those Joels, the guys that come in highly, highly regarded and just uh, – <laughs> Don't know which end of the bat to hold. We want to hear all about those horror stories as well. This is going to be a segment that we're going to churn through uh, regularly. So we'll um, yeah. and if you want to share some of them, if on we the get story, some laughs out of it, we'll we'll read them in in the next episode. Absolutely. 
Might have to find Gary. I'm sure you, because Gary, you played oh. at a rival club to us, so I'm sure you've got some cricket heroes that you might want to share next week. I think I, I think I might have a really good one for you, actually. Right, yeah. All right, not, you, not quite a Joel, but it's a it's a it's a top bloke. <laughs> <laughs> Rightio. All right, guys. Well, that's it. That's the end of the the new style of two slips and a gully. Uh, episode. Hope you enjoyed the the trivia. Like we said, trivologist.com or you can find him on uh, Facebook or Trivia. Look him up. Um, plenty of good stuff on there. Um, like we said, if you want to get involved in um, in your local cricket heroes, guys, that you want to share with us, we want to hear about it. Um, and next week we'll be back again. So uh, you can find us, like we say, on all those really good places to find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, all those fun places. We're going to be there. Get in touch, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.